Welcome to Over the Thread. My name is Taylor, and today we have a special guest on the podcast, Emily Nathan. Now, you guys may know Emily Nathan from her Instagram account, Tiny Atlas Quarterly. You know, just the uh, very small, and by small, I mean 137,000 followers on Instagram. So, Tiny Atlas Quarterly was founded by Emily Nathan in 2012 and um, in partnership with her husband, Jake Huffman, who is also a designer, and Liz Mullally as a creative project. So the premise of Tiny Atlas Quarterly is telling the story of travel from the perspective of professional image makers whose voices would normally be absent from traditional travel publications. Today, Tiny Atlas is actually run by Emily Nathan and photo director Deb Hearley, and is known for rich, beautiful photography stories that unfold through a series of images. Their Instagram hashtag, MyTinyAtlas, has well over 5 million posts, and it is a daily record of both Tiny Atlas editorial trips and projects, as well as the ever-present pulse of the community daily life. Tiny Atlas is both a magazine attached to a production company and a creative agency connected to an authentic global community of travelers and photographers. In addition, they partner with select brands to produce the highest quality travel and lifestyle content with the expansive team of image makers. So essentially, Tiny Atlas partners with different content creators, image makers, to create their publication for the masses to tell a more authentic story. Emily talked with us for over an hour about where she started, how she started out, about Tiny Atlas Quarterly, and so much more, and gave some really awesome insight um, for any sort of person who's interested in starting something or pursuing a career that they feel like they don't have enough stuff for, they don't feel like they're qualified for. Without further ado, here is our conversation with Emily. Well, hello, how are you? How is your night going? It's good. Um, I'm off. I'm off duty. I'm in my. I have a um, like a little studio shed in my backyard, mm-hmm. and so wow. I left like the dinner table, left my husband with my son to like be in charge, which is probably meaning that they're going to be watching a movie. <laughs> <laughs> and came out here. <sighs> I'm having sort of like a drink, but I'm not actually having a drink. But like taking time to not be a mom in the evening <laughs> right <laughs> that's awesome anyway oh man well thanks for having me yeah of course thanks for coming on oh man so do you want to introduce yourself what your name is what you do where you're from just give a little little background sure so my name's emily nathan and um I am the founder and publisher of Tiny Atlas Quarterly, and I am a mom and a photographer and a wife. Um, I live in Northern California in Oakland, um, and I'm from Michigan, suburbia originally, grew up there, went to University of Michigan for school, and then uh, my family moved out here, and I've been out here ever since, which is a... will date me as not a millennial. Um, (laughs) I graduated from University of Michigan in 1998. 
And okay. so I was here for the dot-com boom and bust. Nice. Um, I moved to the city. My sister was getting married. So I drove with two friends, one who was moving here and one who just came along for the ride um, in a 24-foot rider truck from Ann Arbor out here. Oh, my gosh. Um, which was fun. And... My friend, who is not a photographer, actually, he's just like a total gear, not gearhead, but like in a real intense way. He's like a metalsmith and fabricator and professor now um, and has like a museum's worth of like lathes and crazy, crazy technology, um, very old technology and machines. And um, he had just bought like himself a brand new Hasselblad system. And so we like took some Hasselblad pictures along the way, which was really interesting. Oh, cool. um, just thinking back about it at the time. Um, but yeah, so I came out here for my sister's wedding and then uh, I think I like proceeded to move in with my sister like the day after <laughs> she got married. And she was like, why are you here? Um, <laughs> and then uh, I found, you know, it just took like a month or two. I can't remember how long to like find an apartment and start working. I had... Um, I spent my junior year in college in um, South America. Okay. In wow. Chile, in Chile um, but Chile, if you're a gringo, and uh, <laughs> Santiago, and then um, traveled around South America by, during the semester with friends and then by myself um, for a few months afterwards. And um, that trip was still really formative for me. Um, I had traveled a lot with my family, but um, just that time on the road, I think, was very important to me and sort of forming what was interesting to me at a really deep level. And um, and then I had an honors degree in English literature that I kind of did nothing oh, wow. with once I became a photographer. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I was really interested in... Um, photography and one of the main things that I did in Santiago is I took the I came with that program um, which was actually through the State University of New York um, huh. and because the University of Michigan program was like crazy crazy mm -hmm. expensive and um, the state one was good but they also had like um, an internship program which was really compelling to me and in the sort of ad for the for that university, they were like, you could even, you know, have an internship as a, as a photojournalist for a national daily paper. And I was like, sign me up. Like I had oh, wow. always been really interested in photography from the time I was in like middle school, high school. And so at University of Michigan, you can't major, you can't have like a minor in photography. And I always was interested in photography, oh. but you had to have like yeah. a second degree. And in order to have yeah. a second degree, you needed to take a lot more classes and probably go <laughs> to school at least four and a half or five years. And I was sort of focused on being out in the world. Yeah. And um, so anyway, I didn't have, you know, I didn't have a degree in art or photography, but I had always done a lot of like practical classes at the art school at University of Michigan and so then I really was interested in this internship and um so that was really important for my time um in Chile and then 
afterwards, like I was like, okay, when I graduate from school, I'm going to like go be a photojournalist. This is my like shaggy dog story. So then uh, when I came out for my sister's wedding, I thought like, okay, I'm going to like go back to South America and be like a photojournalist. And then realized like, in order to do that, I would need to make money. <laughs> and so, because my parents, I was very lucky in that my parents paid for school. Uh, but the understanding was like, when you're done with school, you you start taking care of yourself, like mm-hmm. for the rest of your life, you know? Right. And, um, and so I moved in with my sister, but just for a little bit and then um, got a job working at a lab in San Francisco, oh, wow. um, which doesn't exist anymore. At the time it was called the new lab. And it was um, the center of like photography in San Francisco oh. and a friend that I had from the University of Michigan, also in San Francisco at the time, also named Emily. Um, <laughs> and she told me about the new lab somehow. And so I got a job there working at the front counter. And wow. I had just graduated with like this honors degree in English literature. And, and then I was like taking people's film orders, which was kind of humbling experience. Yeah. But, um, I bet. <laughs> it was a job, you know, and mm-hmm bus down market street we had an apartment this beautiful apartment this girl who I knew from school came to San Francisco for like a year or something and and we looked for a place but um at the time you know San Francisco now in a an apartment in San Francisco like we had was would probably cost like I don't know four to six thousand dollars or something a month but at the time I think we got it for like eighteen hundred dollars or something and we we split it between three girls and we drew straws for rooms. And I had, I had the smallest room. So I had this lowest rent, which was like around $600 or something for my room in San Francisco at the time, which just doesn't really happen anymore. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, but yeah. And um, there was so much going on in San Francisco around technology that sort of happened at this lab, like for all these photographers, like, this was a time when Fast Company magazine was like 400 pages long and there was just like everything was going on and we would be shooting like the founders of Google and you know all of the, the photographers Whoa. there would be like shooting all this stuff and Burning Man was just starting and then everyone would come in with their dusty cars and all their film to process and it was a really interesting time to be there and, but pretty much everyone who was there only worked there for a little bit because then you'd start talking to the photographers and start assisting and like photo to be a photo assistant um, at the time is actually was probably more lucrative then than it is now. Like the top, the race for photography has probably actually gone down for a lot of people. Um, but you'd make like $200 a day as a photo assistant. And often you'd be on a shoot for a tech portrait or something. And you'd drive from San Francisco to Silicon Valley, do a shoot for two hours and come back. And so like I could pay my rent with three days work. And, um, and so then I started just shooting, you know, or I continued to shoot. Um, that was sort of like my whole beginning in, in San Francisco. And I was a, um, an editorial photographer and then I switched to becoming, um, an advertising photographer and worked, um, a ton with Apple for 10 years doing big lifestyle productions, um, around the world where, you know, this big team would get together and we would be producing the lifestyle photography you would see like on the wall, the Apple store, families jumping around, having fun. But those, those photos are not 
usually candid. <laughs> they're um, no. they're candid from a good lifestyle photographer, but um, they're often, you know, or that was photography, you know, Apple sort of pioneered lifestyle photography. Yeah. And now they don't really shoot in that way anymore. But um, anyway, so I did that. And then after I had my son and I started working for other, you know, like other people um, doing similar work. And after I had my son, I, um, I, as a commercial photographer, you need to make your own work, um, your own portfolio pictures in order to stay relevant because otherwise you just have a bunch of commercial work. And if you're, you know, if you're trying to work for anyone other than the people you've already worked for, all they're seeing is other clients that are potentially their competition. So I decided to do this shoot in Montana in Glacier National Park. Um, I had a former sort of digital tech who was out there for a summer and I'd always been curious about the area and so I put together this production um, to do a personal shoot in Montana for my portfolio and spent way too much money on it of my own um, went and saw Glacier which was an incredible place uh-huh. and um, had a bunch of really beautiful pictures but I was like maybe this would be more interesting like has this idea of a magazine and my husband is not a programmer but just very bright and um had always made my websites and so he worked with me on development of the site and then another um an art director that I had worked with at Apple with Malali um was sort of taking time away from Apple and interested in in sort of this idea of a photo project with me and so she's a really talented designer and so the three of us sort of put together this quote magazine that was just my work and at first I I mean the first was I did this story in Montana and I did a second story and I think we did like sort of a pre-issue that was just two issues and um and then a bunch of photographers were like hey can I be in your magazine and my husband was like you can't have other photographers in like your promo piece and I was like well a blog like it's called tiny atlas it's not called like emily nathan's blog or whatever um and i can't like support a whole magazine by myself right so i convinced him that it would be okay to promote other photographers work and so then we included a bunch of additional photographers for sort of like a relaunch of the first real issue online and then got some early attention for it I think it was just a new it was a new format like Jake who's my husband was not a traditional developer and he's a really creative guy and he just thinks creatively and made up this site that didn't really look like anything else um and I think that was interesting and then the content was interesting there wasn't a lot of lifestyle focused travel content anywhere on the web really yet Um, in that way and so we got kind of some interesting early attention for it and then but I was spending like all this money and time and energy and my husband's time and energy and (laughs) time and energy on on this project and then it was like what are we doing and um so I I didn't want to put up a paywall for a blog because I hated paywalls on websites so I thought like oh maybe we do a Kickstarter campaign and we were not quite ready to do our Kickstarter campaign, but then someone who I knew who's connected to um, a very large blog at the time, Heidi Volpe, was 
working on blog with only to remember the name. And um, she was like, oh, yeah, I could like talk about your Kickstarter in this blog post. And I was like, well, can you wait like a little bit because we're not quite ready? <laughs> you know, we're, we're just like yeah. thinking about the Kickstarter. We're not totally ready. And she was like, no, you know, and mm. um, <laughs> it was Rob, Rob Haggard's blog. And I'm forgetting what the name is right now. And so we just launched it. Um, and at the end of the Kickstarter campaign, um, I have some friends who had started doing a bunch on Instagram. Michael O'Neill is one. And he had also worked for many years at Apple. And he was an art director of mine at Apple. And now he's a, he's a, he's switched from being an art director to being a professional photographer. But he's also an Instagram star. And so I had like... <laughs> a meeting like I met up with him and some friends his other friend Daniel Dent who's a wonderful photographer at a bar in Potrero Hill and I was like I want to like do a hashtag for Kickstarter but it was like two days before the Kickstarter was going to be done like it was, everything was a little late and so I came up with my tiny atlas with these guys at a bar and then I asked <laughs> them to do like I asked them to do like a post I think, or maybe it was a little earlier. I asked them to do a post, and I think in the end there were six posts that people did, and they there were six people who hashtagged my tiny atlas one time, and huh. I didn't even real I didn't realize like that the currency of Instagram was that you could share those pictures because they used your hashtag. Right. I was just a professional photographer, and I was like, I can't like use somebody else's photo you know, on the tiny Atlas Instagram. And then I was like, well, maybe I could ask them if it's okay. So like, I asked Michael, like, is it okay to share your picture or whatever? And he said, yes. And so, you know, I shared those pictures, um, those six pictures with the permission of the artist. And, um, and so then people started using the tag a little bit. And I would huh. look at it every day. And I would look through all the pictures and I would pick my favorites. And there just wasn't that much like lifestyle travel. There wasn't a lot of content and a lot of it was just like travel content is very generic often and yeah. repetitive and similar. And um, so my whole thing with tiny Atlas and the imagery in tiny Atlas as a magazine was to have more of the photographer's take on a place like, but not the photographer's like, portfolio piece necessarily or what they thought that magazines wanted or whatever but just huh. the pictures that they really liked you know yeah. like as a photographer you maybe more the portfolio pieces but you you pick the images that you love and those are the ones you frame or you give to your mom or whatever and mm -hmm. I wanted to make photo stories that were all those pictures the ones that photographers loved and the ones that really felt like you were in these places where you got a sense of place and and a lot more people because it's very expensive <laughs> which I right. had you know, spent the money but it's very expensive to have any level of production with people on location because you have to get the people there and like if you want them to wear clothes or do anything <laughs> or bring you know a digital tech or have someone carry your bags like it all just adds up really fast and so right. most travel pictures that you would see in a magazine um don't you know they don't have any production they're just people they're photo editors who are smart and savvy finding the right people picking up photos you know or sending emails every month like I need photos from Denver and I need photos from this new restaurant Morea and like somebody went there and so they, they can find a picture but to actually produce content 
in the world and make, you know, make money doing it is extremely <laughs> costly. Yeah. And um, so I just put that burden on myself. But all of a sudden, there was this like upstart blog with really fancy content. And it looked really good. And because the people who were working on it, not just me, but the people I was working with, I was working with were like very established people, right. like, like myself, like they were incredible at what they did. They're, you know, hair and makeup artists. And, you know, and I had the more lifestyle content. And just in general, the photographers, it wasn't writers who are interested in the world who are figuring out how to use their new Nikon like it was like very professional photographers who've been doing it for 10 15 20 years already and so the content was was really different and and impressive and now you know sort of everyone every blogger is like you know has their camera and is setting up their their shots and writing their long posts but um I think it was a different time, but I think that there is still this place that I'm hope, you know, I hope that Tiny Atlas fills in the market, which is more of unique content and more outward looking, you know, um, but not looking at, you know, people in Africa as like National Geographic specimens, but looking at like, what's cool in Africa? Like, what are the, what are the people <laughs> doing that are interesting there you know just in the yeah. same way although we actually haven't had much content in Africa it's a it's um something we're behind on just because we haven't really built that big of a network there yet but um same thing in like the Middle East we just have some big yeah. gaps in our coverage um but like we just went to India for example oh, and yes. with this group of photographers to Tamil Nadu which is like you know the tiny atlas approach it's like not you know, it's not Jaipur. It's not all these things that you've seen before. It's an area you haven't seen before as much. And um, we did do some production there. I worked with like a fashion designer who flew in from Mumbai and a surfer girl who flew in from Sri Lanka and, and did like these little micro shoots with them. But, you know, productions in South India, you know, like yeah. complicated tiny atlas style, but being very resourceful. So spending a lot less money than I did yeah. in, in Montana and and then actually being paid paid for that content by a partner. So we did um, the production for those sort of portrait shoots with Adobe oh, um, wow. as a partner. That's cool. Um, who we've worked with on a couple projects. The biggest one was a project that we did last year in Tahiti in Marea that um, they worked with us. It started as this um, personal project, and it's still kind of pretty personal. So it's funny, there was something, remember there was like an app this fall that people got all excited about for a minute that was going like oh, to oh, Instagram? Do you guys remember that? Yeah. So there was a minute where everyone was checking out Vero, and then right away people were like fact-checking it and found out like that there's, you know, issues with the founder and work labor practices <laughs> or something. And I put up something on Tiny Atlas page, like, hey, what do you guys think about this new platform? And then a bunch of people, you know, brought up all these issues. It was like the day that everyone found out about it and then signed up and then dropped it, whatever. And somebody like came on and commented and was like, you know, did Facebook pay you to do this? Or did Instagram pay you to make this comment? And like, I was like, you know, I, so I personally, 
do the Instagram. I've done it the whole time. We do have someone, um, Lindsay, who runs sort of the stories. And um, so sometimes she will, you know, make appearances and she is the person who's liaising with everyone who's doing like story projects. Um, but in conjunction with me, but like all in general, like all the daily posts, like I still do. And so like, I personally, and then, you know, Deb now too, as she's like doing more of it, like, and Lindsay, but like, we know everyone who we're talking to, you know, I don't know everyone who tags my tiny Atlas, but everyone who regularly tags my tiny Atlas, who takes good pictures, like, I know who they are and they're people. And so then this person who just randomly is like, comes on and is like, you know, did Instagram pay you to do this? And I'm like, uh, do you want to introduce yourself? <laughs> like, this is an actual yeah. community. Like, do you have something to say? Like, you can't just spam us and start like getting into some negative brawl. Like, this is an actual community of people who likes and respects each other. And, um, and that's sort of one of the things that I'm most wow. proud of mm-hmm. that we've made. Um, and the, the My Tiny Atlas audience is the idea of the magazine just sort of opened up. So the magazine is like all these really fancy photographers um, who kind of had knew me or who then I became interested in or Deb knew Deb and or Deb became interested in. Um, but, you know, it's a pretty high bar to be like a professional like that's all you yeah. do, photographer working for some of the best companies in the world. But the idea with my tiny owls is that basically like anybody could take this quality of image. They might not have a portfolio of it. They might not do it for a living, but they might be be taking it and sharing it on Instagram. And so we were able to open up the community of the magazine, you know, much wider once we started my tiny owls and just including anyone, like maybe you didn't, have any other good pictures, but you took one extraordinary picture, like it could be in the magazine, you know, like it could be on our feed because it was really cool, you know, or it was a different view of Paris or it was a, you know, it was a different take on something that was a classic. And when you send a photographer, they have four days, you know, like this magazine sends you so often, like on a professional shoot, you'd have like four days and somewhere. And what happens if the weather's terrible or like if you get sick or if you're exhausted or something terrible is going on, like you're only going to get what you get from that photographer for those few days. But the amazing thing with the My Tiny Alice community is so many of the people, one, they're like travelers, you know, or maybe, and maybe they're just traveling for a lot longer or they're photographers who are working on like a personal project and going somewhere for a while. Um, but it's also people who just live in those places. So we have a really big community yeah. in New York. We have a big community in San Francisco, in LA, a really big community in London. And so a lot of the pictures that we share from those places are from people who are there. Like I just shared a picture from Guatemala. And then there was like strangely the same day, there was this huge volcanic um, eruption there. Uh, which is catastrophic. But the person that I shared the picture from is like, she lives in Antigua, Guatemala. And she's like our person in Guatemala who we know, you know, or, and there's other people, but that's, it's very personal. Um, And a lot of the personal connections have only been made on Instagram or, you know, were initiated on Instagram. 
but they are real connections. And there are these connections of people who are interested in travel and interested in other people than yeah. themselves yeah. in general. And uh, you might sense a little bit of a, a, a theme yeah. going for me about this. Like I think the travel pictures, the, the self-portraits and um, of people in famous landmarks you know, from behind wearing a dress and um, is not my no. version of travel. My version is like looking out. I had this picture that um, is one of my favorite pictures that I took in India. And I, it's not like the best picture, but we were doing a project with another company as well. It was around technology. So we were sort of looking for people on smartphones and stuff like that. And obviously that's, interesting to a western eye if someone's wearing like saris and stuff yeah. like that and there was it was like 100 degrees and we went to these salt flats outside of Pondicherry which is this post-colonial French town on the Bay of Bengal and um it's like 100 something <laughs> degrees and humid and we, we had this quick shoot of these workers and these huge salt flats which was really incredible and then Afterwards, there's some woman who just happened to be like this gorgeous young mom selling watermelon at the side of the road. And then her her son came up in like a school uniform. You're like, where is the school? You're like in the right. middle of nowhere. Like, where is this kid going to school? But he's all like scrubbed clean in a uniform. And she's got her smartphone too. And, and selling watermelon. I tried the watermelon. It was amazing. But then there's this woman who when I'm walking back who's like in this open air jeep and she's like it has sort of benches in the back and she's laying down in the sari like on the phone and then her husband's like left the car to get her watermelon and like brings her back watermelon so she's like holding watermelon in repose in the back of the jeep wearing a sari on the phone you know and like so I did this portrait of her and I was like I sort of call it like best life or whatever and she's just living her best life like chilling on the phone with the watermelon like outside of the salt flat you know outside of Pondicherry and like to me there's so much that's interesting there and and it doesn't look anything like someone standing in front of the perfect door in Jaipur at the palace, you know, which is also extraordinary. And if you haven't been there, it's cool to go. You know, yeah. if you want to see it. Um, but to me, you don't learn anything if you've already seen that. And if I've already shown that picture to the Tiny Atlas audience when I first encountered it three years ago or whatever, then how many times do yeah. you show it, you know? So I want to show these other stories and just like what's actually in the wow. place. Um, you know, I think I always love arriving somewhere. Like when you fly somewhere that's famous and you get there and like, it looks so yeah. different than you might picture it yeah. sometimes. And that that's always really interesting because it's not what you would expect you know like if you if you were a tourist or looked at google search for paris you know what do you think paris looks like like it looks like the eiffel tower <laughs> yeah. right like it's just one yeah. big eiffel tower if you search <laughs> True. For paris and then like if you land in paris like 
the Eiffel Tower is this yeah. one little building and this one little part of this massive flat kind of gray stone <laughs> yeah. metropolis. Um like the Eiffel Tower, you know, and you get to Paris and you're like, wait, but where's the Eiffel Tower? You know? Yeah, is it in the center? Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, look at the whole city <laughs> around yeah. Paris, you know, there's a whole circle around the Eiffel Tower. Um, so yeah, like Tiny Atlas is sort of meant to share like the creative team groups, like what do you like? Where do you go? And then also just visually, like what do you like? Where do you go? And maybe, maybe it is, maybe it was a really cool moment at the Eiffel Tower, but then it's also going to be like, a little neighborhood cafe and um, an interesting bookstore or whatever. Um, but with like a real sense of like visual mm-hmm. aptitude yeah. <laughs> rather than just like, okay, you know, like I just didn't want pictures that were just okay. I wanted yeah. really beautiful pictures. Wow. So that's a few <laughs> things. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> Uh, what I mean, what I'm getting from it is, I mean, you want a more genuine approach to travel, um, especially, you know, even even now kind of on Instagram. Yeah, I mean, you, you address kind of like, yeah, there's people in like pretty dresses in front of the Eiffel Tower, you know, different, like very typical images. But I mean, you kind of want to push past that and almost like give it sort of like a not so much like a, a local's perspective, but like sometimes it can be from someone who actually is from the area, yeah, which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah local perspective or like just people doing some work, not to recreate some preconceived notion that they have in their head about what they should do there, but like actually mm-hmm. doing something like what, yeah. what did you do? <laughs> you know, like other than stand in a pretty <laughs> dress, you know, with, the Eiffel Tower in the background, like what happened when you were in Paris? And um, I find those stories much Absolutely. more interesting, you know, and yeah. they're stories. Like I love the stories of travel and things, you know, you know, it's like the things that yeah. go wrong are the, the things that you tell people. Like I'm, our wedding day, like I got married in Hanalei oh, on the beach and, um, and the morning of our wedding and we knew oh, it yeah. might rain mm-hmm. because we spent a lot of time there um it was a month it's not that rainy but we were prepared that it might rain some you know but usually in Honolulu, like it would like rain some right and stop or whatever and it had been like really pretty weather or with some of those like little bits of rain in the morning of our wedding it was just like dumping oh, no. like just no. pouring, pouring, <laughs> pouring rain. And it ended up, you know, by the time we had our ceremony, it was mostly clear and kind of beautiful and fine. And then actually like right after the ceremony, after we took all the pictures and it was beautiful and the glowing backlight, then it just jumped on us while we were while we were taking our pictures with a bunch of my friends oh, photographers. Um, but, it's, you know, like when it's our anniversary, we often like, retell the story of our wedding day and like the fact that it was raining was like yeah. the most interesting part totally. right like 
that's the cool part of the story. Um, and, and the, you know, the things that go wrong and the things that are unique and not just like, it was perfect. And it was a blue sky and like tiny Atlas, like intentionally, it was like, it doesn't have to be a blue sky. And there's the tyranny of, for a commercial photographer of like yeah. getting it right, you know, and having the lighting to prepare for like, if it's not right, like then you can yeah. make it look right. And and or you can have a weather day and then you can shoot it when the sky will be blue but the nice thing with tiny owls is like if the coolest picture was when it was pouring who cares like doesn't matter <laughs> like, it's fine so it was sort of the freedom to just experience the imagery as it came um and also how how we might want to produce it um but yeah, and then sort of the next chapter of what we're working on is we, you know, I have a friend, Laura Rubin, who has a notebook company, All Swell, and um, one side of the notebook is blank and the other side is lined. Um, but then she started doing workshops with people about um, analog, just doing stuff, analog, which yeah. everyone's so digital. And um, she asked me to collaborate with her years ago on a journal and we did. And, and there's two sides to the journal. And so we had um, it was, and she this sort of one tone and ours was green. And there was one, one side that was like, you know, they're both greenery imagery and um, pictures. And one side was the idea that she had would, was that it would be like tropical plants. And the other side would be like sort of subtropical ferns oh. and stuff and palms. And so we came up, I came up with imagery that I had shot already with, with those two types of plant life. But then she suggested, like, what about if you like, what about if we go to these places yeah. too, you know, like, so create like trips around these two types of green landscapes. And so um, we worked with another friend of hers. Tom Werney, who has an adventure travel company called Earth Missions, and just brainstormed like where we would want to go that would be sort of the most amazing places that like people might actually go to um, that would represent the two sides of this journal. And we chose Tofino, British Columbia, and Whoa. Tahiti. And um, we did these first two trips almost two years ago. And um, and that, for me, they're very similar to all the productions that we had done for Tiny Atlas, but instead of being just for, like, the photographers, yeah. other photographers or me, they huh. were open to the public. And, um, and we found a lot of interest, both from the client side, like, producing imagery, like, in partnership with clients on projects yeah. like that. But then around sort of this group of photographers traveling, as well as this idea of like real people joining in. And um, so a lot of the content that we've done since then is much more real. I mean, it, it was sort of going that way anyway, but um, creating a lot of content just in real time um, on these trips that... Um, Sort of anyone who's part of the community who can afford to go or who is you know accomplished enough as a photographer that we can um sell them <laughs> to a client to pay yeah. for them to go um wow. can come and there's been a lot of interest in those trips and 
the content that comes out of them. And so that's sort of where we are now, which is sort of back to our roots, which is producing big shoots <laughs> all over the world with groups of people. But instead of it being, um, you know, for yes. a brand like Apple, for them to have as their imagery directly, it's sort of in partnership with right. Tiny Atlas. So pretty sim- similar, but you know, just um, more around our right. initiatives, not around like a client, just like new product right. necessarily <laughs> type of thing. But um, so yeah, I think it's it's maintained a strong photographic sort of core because that's yeah. what we know best. Um, Deb, Deb, who's the photo director, I know her because she was a photo director at Apple and at Real Simple and at Dwell and um she does a lot of the work with me now and that's you know yeah. that's what we know best <laughs> so we we take pictures and we produce complicated photo shoots in far from locations because that's kind of <laughs> what we know how to do oh my gosh that's awesome wow um but yeah like taking selfies with dresses <laughs> Not, not so much. No. Our forte. <laughs> so don't focus on that. Wow. That's so cool. That That's really yeah. interesting that, because when I was trying to figure out, because I've, I've been following you for quite some time, or just Tiny Alice, um, and I was trying to figure out, I was like, how <clears throat> how are they able to do like what, what they want to do, but also they're able, somehow they're able to fund these trips, right? You know, you're not just like going, you know, with a bunch of people and no one's getting paid, you know? So <clears throat> it was interesting. Like I was trying to figure out like, okay, well somehow they're making money and it looks like they're doing stuff with other people, you know? So it, that's really cool that you're able to kind of do what you want to do, get the content you want to get, but you're also working with these different companies and you're getting, getting them something and, you know, as well. Um, that's really, really cool and great yeah. work still. <laughs> We're getting them. Um- Pretty incredible deal. Yeah. Like we kind of kind of like, um, you know, because it's such a, you know, travel, it's hard to say no when, um, or, you know, it's hard to right. charge the right amount. So we, you know, we've transitioned into, you know, charging people to do stuff like this, but we don't charge enough. And, you know, there's a, photography <laughs> as a commercial endeavor is in I mean it's weird because on the one hand there's more photographic need than yes. ever you know in the past and so there should be you know by all <laughs> accounts more money going towards photography and in a way there is because people are spending money on it but I think for a lot of the clients um big and small they you know they just they their needs are so great that they are like, well, we can't pay like reasonable rate to like a freelancer every week or every day or every, you know, so they're hiring people in-house or they're having someone who's an art director learn how to right. be a photographer or they're just using user <laughs> content and, and not paying. Um, so it's been, I can't imagine like it's taken, you know, Tiny Atlas has taken me away from my yeah. core job a lot. And I've been protected because I have a husband yeah. who has a normal job and, 
So <laughs> he really <laughs> took the hit for us as a as a team when I decided to really keep pursuing Tiny Atlas. Like my whole family's like, so when are you going to stop doing this? You know, like when are you just going to go back to doing well and being a photographer? But it's hard yeah. to go back. You know, like it's really challenging when you've always worked for clients for their goals, even if I now am still, you know, now we're transitioning to working for clients again, but like it's yeah. for our goals more specifically. And it's really hard to, to try to do the other work when you sort of tasted this lifestyle of like doing it right. for yourself. Um, and then being able, one thing that I also wasn't anticipating is just, it's really fun to be able to opt offer opportunity to other photographers um and then to our audience as well and our community like to create something like people as a professional photographer people would always ask me like where do you go and what do you do and ask my itinerary and so tiny i was like here just read the magazine like don't ask me like i'll I'll put it on there and you can see um there's a list and there's links it's all there (laughs) like don't don't ask me but um you know, we're able to create really incredible experiences. And then if people can afford to come, you know, we've done that work for them. And then for photographers, like Tahiti was the first time, I mean, Tofino was the first time we had like, it was like three or four photographers. And then Tahiti, we had like six oh of gosh. us or something or seven. And because we brought, I think there were five other photographers and one of the photographers was like a team the salty wings guys like drone guys from australia and um so i think it was six plus me it was seven and then there was like a full film crew there too um that adobe brought but um you know i didn't know if i would like having other (laughs) photographers because when you're a photographer on a shoot Mm -hmm. like you're kind of in charge and you (laughs) tell everyone what to do and then to have a bunch of other people you know, potentially would take like the same picture or tell people that what to do. And, um, but it was really fun. Like that was one of the big revelations for me is like, instead of just being by yourself there, you were with other people who had different perspectives or wanted to do different things, but also just like wanted to get up pre-dawn to go shoot sunrise. And like when you're by yourself, if you're a travel photographer and you're like completely by yourself, right? Like it used to be when, when I was shooting in like Costa Rica, like I'd have a photo assistant and they'd carry my stuff and like do what I told them. You know, nowadays photographers who are doing that same work for magazines, very rare for them to have an assistant. They have to do it all themselves. And so to like, to motivate yourself to get up pre-dawn to shoot sunrise every day is yeah. like challenging, right? You know, you're like, maybe I'm going to sleep and maybe I'll get up at, you know, I'll get up at six. So I'm like, oh. And when we were in Tahiti, it was like, all these guys like with Tyson Wheatley and the Salty Wings guys and yeah. Dan Tom awesome. and like um Tasha and Justine and like everyone was really excited to shoot and and all the time so it was really fun to have all these other people who are sort of like you even though their perspective on the images might be totally different they were like you and that they they were photographers and, and travelers and they just wanted to be there and experience and and record it in their way and and that's really fun as a group rather than just by yourself and I think led to kind of 
bringing everyone's yeah. content up um, because we were there sort of as a team. It's like a good class yeah. in college, you know, like if you're having a good discussion around a difficult idea and everyone's bringing ideas to the table, all of a sudden you're getting further in your thinking as a group. And I think that happens photographically yeah. sometimes too. You know, sometimes you just need space and you need time. And for some photographers that would not feel good, like having all these other people around. And I'm kind of, you know, a little bit of a loner in that regard, but um, I did find it um, good, you know, like really positive. Part. Yeah. That's cool. Like, yeah, it's almost like learning, <clears throat> like learning from different people. Like, um, yeah, I mean, I feel like I mean, Mary and I are both photographers, so we kind of get it. Um, like, it's fun. It's it's fun going off on our own, you know, and doing some kind of solo stuff. But it is really interesting kind of going with a group and kind of seeing like even like the different imagery, even if you're in like the same like room or wherever you are, you can get like such different shots. Um and just, yeah, and just, like, seeing mm -hmm. kind of, like, what other people come up with is really cool. I, I know I get inspired, for sure. Well, yeah, and I mean, on that trip, actually, like, um, we wanted to work on underwater photography, and we had some snafus <laughs> there. But then the other thing was, like, Tyson was just getting interested in mm -hmm. drone photography. Mm -hmm. And I suggested the Salty Wings guys to Adobe and um they were like okay you know i was like no these guys are gonna they're blowing up they're incredible and um and then they it was funny because they work as a team but we really only had the budget for one more person but i was like let you know why why you know can you tell me why it would be better for the yeah. two of you guys to be here and so then they wrote like a really <laughs> articulate email about all the reasons why they're going to do a better job <laughs> if the two of them came. And so I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> and, um, and so both John Paul and um, Michael came and, and they, they're like crazy drone experts and Tyson was just starting and they just totally took Tyson huh. under their wing and like taught wow. him how to drone on that trip, like in one of the most incredible places in the world for like water and drone just like incredibly clear water and skies and everything and you know by the end of the trip Tyson's catching drones <laughs> from moving boats and all the stuff that he had no facility with a few days before um and that was really cool and now it's one of the you know one of his favorite parts of photography wow. I would say um and that was because of that you know I mean maybe he would have gotten good at it on his own but um he definitely had sort of this crash course with it with both the guys. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. So that was fun. And yeah. Wow. Was was there a um, particular and I've probably been everywhere in the world, but was there a particular trip that like was really, really awesome? Like something that was kind of like unexpected. You didn't really expect to be I mean, I'm sure every every place has its own like little fun things that happen, but maybe something that like really stuck out to you on one of those trips. You know, that is kind of the thing with Tiny Atlas is that literally like every single shoot that I have done for Tiny Atlas because it's been approached in this way of sort of like just creative yeah. freedom for the most part. 
Um, and then just going places, not because somebody told us to go, but because we wanted to go. Um, they've all been really great and like really interesting. And that's sort of that same idea of like looking out. It's like, it's, you know, the brand is intentionally not particularly high end. It's not low end, but it's like encompasses Mm -hmm. whatever you can do, you know, and it's not exclusive and it's outward looking and, but it's also about the idea of just being present and like, getting interested in in the world and also taking time to go take part and um meet people and talk to them and take take pictures and um it's more the excitement around producing you know interesting stories and not like a list of like these are the most interesting places and you have to go there pretty much every trip that i've done has been really interesting. I would say like since we switched to doing a lot of these trips like with groups of people, I think those you know are just yeah. more memorable for me. Tofino and Tahiti still those were our first ones and we really thought to you know come up with places that were incredible and would produce you know just incredible imagery and Tofino is this little town on the west coast of um Vancouver Island in British Columbia and it is incredible like it's just the wildlife there is everywhere you're just you see you see bears like shaking berries off of bushes as they're walking around their own little routes on uninhabited islands and it's this huge watershed that is dotted with all of these pristine islands with gorgeous forested little um islands and and you know we saw bears and whales and you know bears eating salmon going up the river and like um it just the the wildlife was incredible and jeremy kresky was our local guide that tom found and he is an incredible water photographer who's from there and he has a boat he has a floating house that he's like blackened shibori style or whatever (laughs) um I forget the name but he's just the coolest guy ever and he he lives this incredible lifestyle and he's opening his own gallery now and you know um but he was you know he was our guy there for a bunch of local things and we went and got crab from someone mom you know some friend of his mom and then made crab on the on our wild private beach on um native land that we were staying on in Europe, and it was just really spectacular um and in Morea and Tahiti um you know it's just beautiful but Tahiti once again like Tom Wernie from Earth Missions is very focused on sort of this local connection. And he's a big wave surfer who lives in the North Shore of Oahu himself. Um, And so he had been to Tahiti before and knew this guy who lived basically on the point at Chopu, which is one of the most dangerous but most photogenic (laughs) waves in the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, really famous for like a big surf competition that happens there because it's really like 
a very clean looking wow. wave. And, um, but Tom knew this guy who lived like right on the point, <laughs> right where this wave is, who like rents out a little hut and like, there's no <laughs> hotels there. Uh, like, you know, some locals who will rent rooms when the surf's wow. up type of thing. And it literally the road ends and then you have to get like picked up in a truck in like Florida river to get to this little group of houses that's out there. And we stayed out there and, and then his guy, um, name is escaping me right this moment, um, has a boat. And so he would just be up pre dawn and whoever wanted to go could like go hop in his boat and just go out to the wave and shoot world-class wow. surfing. And the way that the wave breaks, is it's really close. Like a lot of times yeah. you have to be kind of far away from a surfer, but because of the shape of the reef, you can be on a boat and basically you're right oh at the gosh. exit of the wave. And so like the guys like drop in and then surf Dang. almost to the boat. And so you're shooting like barrel after barrel of like perfect oh. surf shots um, just by like sitting in this boat and warm, wa- you know, warm water, beautiful weather. Tahiti and so that was pretty cool wow (laughs) that was a good one um India was really incredible the trip that we just did it was really hot it's kind of off season we were making content with a couple other brands and took a while to sort of finalize it all so we were sort of past the the comfortable (laughs) for American people like temperatures like our our friend Diraj who's the CEO of Kamalan which is the company that we partnered with there in India to be sort of our local local guides there it was like yeah it'll be warm you know you kept saying it was warm and they're like what do you mean you know you get there oh. and it's like 100 degrees and like 100% humidity oh, no. and you're just oh, like no. oh this is warm you yeah. know so it was very hot um but it was incredible. It was my first trip to India and um and Tamil Nadu is very religious, um, conservative part huh. of South India and um and there's there was sort of a cultural focus to the itinerary that we put together. So we went to a lot of like festivals yeah. and things like that. Um that's so different than you yeah. know yeah. Iceland. <laughs> Oh, yeah. like it's not blue bottle and you know white tiles and um decaf yeah. lattes you know it's like um really wow. really really different and um to photographer obviously yeah. that's pretty interesting and the food is really delicious oh, no one got sick which so is really good. that was my biggest yeah. fear because it's india and that like, one person <laughs> on our trip got sick which was amazing uh but we had you know, the food is just so colorful. Um, yeah, I don't know. We, everything, like we were in Cuba oh, yeah. earlier this year as well. And that, that was neat. We worked with another local company. Like, I think the working with, you know, with locals, like our access to the locals that we had for Tahiti and Tofino because of Tom's connections. And likewise, the locals that we worked with in Cuba because of our partner Coast to Costa and the access that we had um, to even just understanding what was around us in India because of Kamalan is invaluable. Like Mm -hmm. you, you know, it's 
so different than just wandering around. And there is something to just wandering around and just not knowing <laughs> what the hell is going on, right? right. You know, there's something kind yeah. of fun about that, that if you have a perfect guide, you're just, you're not going to you're not going to have that experience where you have just no idea what the hell is going on. And there's something fun about that too. But when you're trying to get anything done, just, you know, working with people who are local experts is just incredible. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just makes you have those connections to a place that you would never have. And that's what you have as a commercial photographer, as a editorial photographer, when you shoot, travel for a magazine somebody's done all this legwork for you right and you're going to photograph the chef in St. Bars or you know something like that and it's the most interesting person there and they're doing something really beautiful or delicious or whatever and that's who you meet and you're so lucky to have that experience as a traveler whereas most people go on vacation and they're just gonna like maybe if they're curious discover something but they might just sort of yeah past that and sort of like mm-hmm. you know swimming past stuff versus going underwater and seeing what's in the ocean like yeah it's nice if you have your head above water yeah. and you're swimming in warm water like it feels nice but if you go underwater and um see you know suddenly there's turtles surrounded by parrotfish and <laughs> sharks and, you know there's just much more there and um, I think that's the difference with sort of a local connection and travel versus just going yourself or, you know, or you just have to be really inquisitive mm-hmm. and um, really comfortable talking to strangers, going outside of your comfort zone, getting to know people um, and then like learning languages, <laughs> you know, like I, yeah, I speak Spanish. So that's very helpful for a lot yeah. of parts of the world, a little bit of Portuguese. And like can have a clue about a, a little bit of other romance language stuff, but like in India, yeah. you know, there was no way <laughs> yeah. I was going to learn anything. And one thing I didn't even know with India is like there's, I think there's eighteen or nineteen oh, official yeah. languages uh-huh. in India, and it's on, you know, like on the bills, the the words, you know, for the one whatever rupees. Um, amount they're like it's in 18 different languages and so like Duraj who's the CEO who joined us on our trip he doesn't speak the Tamil language um and so he wasn't the only person with us like we had a number of other guides who were like from that area and spoke the Tamil language um and one of whom was like getting his certificate for like being a guide speaking French because they have a lot of French um customers or whatever guests and um you know but having having that connection so that when you see something that's going on and you're like what is this like you can find out um (laughs) makes it a lot more interesting so kind of taking everything into consideration where do you see Tiny Atlas going in the next say like five years like what what's kind of like your your goal for it would you want to I know that you did like a kickstarter kind of to start it out and um would you like do more of those um kind of I don't know if you know but (laughs) maybe some goals for even next year I don't know 
Yeah. Well, the next immediate thing that's happening that's really big is we have a book coming out. Ooh. Um, so the publisher is um, 10 Speed, which is a publisher that's based here in the East Bay, but their 10 Speed is owned by um, Penguin Random House okay. or part of Penguin nice. Random House. So um, it will be everywhere in the world, oh, <laughs> hopefully. Wow. <laughs> and we're, it's a My Tiny Atlas book. Wow. And it's almost done. Um, we should be finishing up probably next month um, with the design and edit and finalizing writing over the rest of the summer. And um, the cover should be announced in the fall, winter, or sometime fall early to late fall <laughs> I think um and then the book comes out next spring wow um and then there's some products that are going to come out the following year actually um associated with the book um but so that's been we've been that book deal happened I think at the end of last summer and so that was what we've been working on a lot here over the past um six to nine months and between other you know, productions and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, putting together this book um, um, and just figuring out um, who, you know, what, what work is going to be in it. And then the editors at, at 10 Speed are, are going to make like the final, you know, or we have a say, but there's, there's a certain, <laughs> there's a final, there's somebody has to do some final editing. Like <laughs> I've been narrowing it, narrowing it, and then adding photos and narrowing it. But, you know, there's, it's this My Tiny Atlas book and there's over 5 million posts on My Tiny Atlas and the, the My Tiny Atlas book um, will have, you know, a couple hundred pictures. So it's not very many. Um, so it's quite culled down. So that's been a big process yeah. and then just sort of figuring out what we're, what we're talking about there and how we're talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a big thing for us. And then moving forward with sort of this hybrid agency um magazine where we can produce content um with you know with groups of photographers as well as take people on trips but sort of always been a little bit of work in progress because it wasn't started as a commercial venture um but in order to keep going it has to be commercial and but there hasn't been like this desire to sell out (laughs) <laughs> so yeah um, and not necessarily something to sell out you yeah know, just like oh we're creative like you can't like it's not you know just doing something for, for creativity and um doesn't lead to just people buying stuff right. so um so that's a good thing <laughs> in terms of you know our audience but it's not necessarily a good thing in terms of the bottom line um and if we want to genuinely like employ a group of people then we have to charge people for more stuff so we're working on it um i would ask you guys like i always like to see what people's sort of vision is like before we had this long conversation me rambling on like what did you think tiny atlas was or and like where would you see it going yeah would be really interesting Ooh. for me to hear <laughs> mary did you want to do you want to go first or you want me to go you go first okay um so oh, man wow that, 
I wasn't expecting that. Nice. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, when I when I first started following you guys, I actually, um, I think I found out I found out about you guys through some photographers that I follow on Instagram. So, um, Joe Greer, Andrew Kearns, uh, Dan Tom. Those guys, I've been following them for quite a while. And I think, I don't know, probably within the last like two years or so, um, they've been doing work with you. Um, and so I was like, oh, this is really interesting. Clicked on it, um, was like, oh, it's like kind of like, it definitely seemed like a community to me um, right off the bat. So I was like, this is interesting. Try, and then when I was doing research, you know, more about it, um, I was like, you know, questioning like, huh, how do they make money? Like, how does this work? Um, <clears throat> but then kind of when I'm, uh, you know, it, I have more of an understanding as you've talked, but I think before I wasn't, I wasn't really sure I was kind of, uh, and I saw maybe there were some, there were some Kickstarter projects up there. I know you did like a, a bag collaboration, a camera bag. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, maybe they're going to do more, um, you know, it's going to be kind of more of a collaboration in which, you know, they're, you know, starting to hire on some photographers and kind of make this. I wasn't sure if it was going to be like, you know, we're going to start mass producing this magazine. And it's going to be and I actually kind of thought maybe a book. Um, so that's interesting that that's mm-hmm. what you said. <laughs> um, so I was kind I guess I was kind of right on that. But um, yeah, I don't know. I was kind of I was really curious because I was like, there's a lot of ways you could go about it. It could be more like, oh, we have like a lot of these photos and it's this community and now we're going to kind of make products for these people, you know, that are a part of this community. Or it was going to be more like, hey, we're going to start doing more collaborations. Maybe we're going to reach out to companies. So yeah, I think it was it was kind of along the same lines as, as what you guys are doing. So um, so that's cool. <laughs> yeah. The, book, the book's cool. I, I'm super stoked. I'm definitely going to get that book. <laughs> oh, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Hopefully everyone, it's going to be really cool. Hopefully we've been working hard on <laughs> I'm it. Sure. Um, and it's not, it's going to be really beautiful, um, but not too expensive, which is nice. Yeah. It's not going to be like super expensive. Like, it's going to be hopefully like impulse buy, not a big deal. Yeah. Um, but we'll give you a big sense of sort of who our community is. Totally. But yeah, I'm always sort of asking people on Instagram, like, what do you, you know, like just, we'll ultimately do what we want to do totally. but I always like ask people what what they want yeah. and like for the trips like where people are interested in going um because it is it is this community and um yeah we have opportunities like it just sort of a range of opportunities but we're gonna like we need to consolidate it a little bit more um because it's a little bit all over the place <laughs> So um, it was really fun to make a bag um, and it would be fun. We actually had a trip just recently to Mendocino, which was our biggest like sort of consumer trip ever so far, um, which was really fun. And there were a number of people on the trip who like had our bag, who had bought the bag. And it was like, oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, the bag. It's like, hey, you're using our bag. That's amazing. While you're taking pictures. Um, so, yeah, I think it, I think we'll do more stuff but because the book has been such a big you know it's we didn't quite realize how you know how big you know, like just publishing like I know I'm such a reader and love books but just the distribution yeah. and machine of like a global publishing company um 
is a big deal. And so we're really honored that, um, you know, 10 feet is, yeah. is um, working on the book with us and Random House and Penguin Random House. And we're really excited to try and just bring something really beautiful. And it's sort of hopefully will be a showpiece for the hundreds of photographers that are in the book. It's going to be quite hard to get into the book yeah. because of the, just the nature, you know, of the pages um that you know this picture should be pretty big and um so that people can enjoy them and so there's just not that many pictures um so yeah hopefully everyone that's in the book will be happy to be in you know excited to be in it and um it just will introduce people who don't know our community to not just me you know right. it will introduce sort of a, a big a very big slice of the group that makes up our community and it's fun. It just grows and grows. Um, that's the thing that I get um, most excited about. I, I did like a trade with someone who's a, who's a business coach. Like a friend of mine was oh. like, you should take photos of this person because she needs photos and she's this incredible business coach. And I, I don't talk to her as much as I should, but you know, she's like, what do you want? You know, and what is signing out going to be? And, what do you and and I always sort of go back to the things that I really love about it yeah. and um and I really love the community like I love the curation yeah. it's just really fun to see so much of the world like every day like I just have an insatiable curiosity about what the world looks like you yeah know? so um it's just been really fun to just discover more and more and more of the planet through the tag and then this community that's grown from it that you know we've worked with all these different photographers um on where we're able to send people on trips for the magazine content or where people have content that they suggest to us and then we work with them on editing something just for story like we work really closely with everyone on anything like that and then on you know up to these big trips that are more consumer focused or brand focused um it's just expanded and expanded our universe and a lot of the people who have you know met on these things then themselves are good friends like when I saw you know Andrew Kearns met Tyson on a job that we did in Hawaii and then (laughs) Andrew for some reason was in New York and so he was like (laughs) wandering around taking pictures for the day with Tyson yeah um that's fun to know that like I put those people together yeah that's cool. Um, I just get a big kick out of yeah connecting people for whatever reason. So, <laughs> That's um, awesome. yeah. yeah. So we'll see. Book connecting people, connecting brands and mm-hmm. and places. Um, that's kind of what we're up to. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so cool. I mean, I'm I'm kind of behind the eight ball here because I've only been following you kind of recently since Taylor mentioned this um, I had no idea before this and just hearing you talk about this and how passionate you are I'm actually I'm super excited to get into it myself Um, because I I was scrolling on your Instagram while you guys were talking and it's it's just beautiful and it's it's like what you said it's different and it's a different perspective Um, so I think it's amazing like what you've been able to accomplish. And, um, and I just, it's just so cool. Cause like, I mean, I can even be a part of this community at some point, you know? 
So um, yeah. and just how open and it feels. So because I mean, so I, I yeah, well, it definitely is like it's not. Yeah, it's a nice thing. It's hard for the magazine. Like we don't have people who are um, not as established in general, just because it's really time consuming for us to put anything together for the magazine. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, but the the Instagram and like is much more. Um, you know, it's also just faster. We just put out a lot more content, so it's easier to put up more stuff. But mm-hmm. it's there's not like you have. You know, we have people who have. 600,000 followers right next to people who have like 600 and you know people like what they like and you know it might be that the person who has 600 followers like the picture that we put up people are just more excited about that picture and I kind of like um the leveling of the playing field there because ultimately you know it's sort of just about what catches people's eye. Um, I'm trying to be a person who's advocating for photographers mm-hmm. making money. Yeah. Um, but then also just on the My Tiny Atlas side, just advocating for interesting pictures versus popularity. You know, like I just not that interested in popularity. I'm interested mm-hmm. in good pictures. And sometimes the good pictures come from people who are popular because they're incredible photographers. Right. And sometimes it's because they were just whatever, you know. <laughs> Um, and so I do like that element of Tiny Atlas as well. Although it's, you know, the, obviously you don't have to get into like algorithm conversations for yeah. anyone who spends time on Instagram, you know, frustrated with that. So I'm interested to see what comes next. Um, it's not Vero or whatever, but, yeah. um, yeah. I think, you know, people are, there's on the one hand, people are really they learn quickly and then they start just doing what everyone else is doing. But on the other hand, there's, you know, there's a real, um, people fatigue up for seeing the same stuff and for Instagram doing the same stuff. And so Instagram's innovating with lots of new products, but then it's like, ultimately, like, is there going to be a different platform that people connect to that feels more honest or something? Mm-hmm. Um, which we may, you know, may not have any head. We didn't really have a head start and we were never like a suggested user or anything like that. So we've kind of like fought for every, yeah. <laughs> every follower that we have. Awesome. But, um, <laughs> but um, you know, so if something new happens, then we will have to really develop that. Um, but I, I'm, I'm optimistic, you know, towards, if something like that were to happen that we could, you know, make a place for the work that we do mm-hmm. somewhere new. Yeah. If that's something that people were, I mean, if it's just like all live video, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> if it's something that's image based, that's not just like a kid, like today and the past week, I feel like I don't understand the algorithm, but there's something that keeps showing up on my feed of like a kid, like a toddler, with a hose and he turns the hose on and it like blasts him oh. <laughs> and that's like the, the only thing that Instagram wants to show me right now oh and God. it is funny but I'm like I don't care you yeah. know like I still don't want to see it um so if that's like all that Instagram is is finding out through data that people want to see like I don't know the future of Tiny Alice but <laughs> If people are interested in like the watermelon lady type of stories, yes. then hopefully we have, you know, a future Instagram or not. That's awesome. 
Yeah, very insightful and uh, makes me feel better because I, I graduated with photography. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it's been here and I've been doing design work. Um, I, I picked up a job here in Albuquerque, but just coming out of school, it's just it was so scary because I had no idea where to start mm-hmm. <laughs> and I still kind of don't. So I guess like before you leave, you take like maybe like two minutes, if that's all right, just to kind of like advice for sure. kind of photographers who are starting to get out into like the world. Like where do you start? And I mean, I guess just where do you start? Mm-hmm. Honestly, <laughs> I think you start with what you want to do. Um, mm-hmm. And I think there's so many young photographers and they, they don't know what to do. And they, they're like, I want to work, but I'm like, okay, well, who do you want to work for? You know, like, um, and you mm-hmm. should know. So if I were to ask you like, okay, what's your dream? Who, who are your dream clients? And you know, the, the markets change and now people are like, I want to be a blogger and travel the world and have people pay me. But like back in the day, people just worked for people, <laughs> you know, they had clients and the clients might right, have been brands yeah. and they might've been magazines. Right. But like photographers, let's say you wanted mm-hmm. to be an editorial photographer or, you know, like an internet magazine photographer, like, who do you want to work for? Like, what are the top five, five companies or brands or, pub, mm-hmm. you know, me- media players that you want to shoot for? And if you know, then you find out who the photo editors are and then you reach out to them and you make physical promos. You go to their cities of workplace, which is, you know, it used to just be New York. Now it's maybe a few other places. Um, and you go there and you meet with them and you cold call them and you like tell them why and you have a portfolio that will back up that you are the right person for them. And and that's how you get work um, is by letting people know, like if you don't reach out to someone, like like if you reach out to someone, there's always a chance that you're going to be rejected. Right. But if you don't mm-hmm. reach out to someone at whatever, let's say you want to work for Refinery29 there's no chance they're going to hire you, right? Because they didn't ever, they don't know who right. you are unless you're like doing something like groundbreaking, newsworthy, you know, whatever. Um, they, they, it's guaranteed that they won't hire you because they don't know who you are. But if you reach out to them, then there's a chance that they'll hire you, right? And then if they, if you reach back out to them uh, another six months later, and they, you know, they've said like, oh, this is interesting. I don't have anything for you right now, but let me know what you're up to. And then you actually like follow up. People reach out to me all mm-hmm. the time. I'm like DM and they're like, how do I get on your feed or, or sent? And I'm like, do, do the work, you know, like show me something good. Mm-hmm. Show me something interesting that relates to what we do. You know, if you're like, okay, like I'm a great right. photographer and I'm going to show you my work and it looks like National Geographic. I'm like, that's cool go try and talk to National Geographic. Like, that's not what we do. So it's like, you have to find right. your clients. And, and in today's day and age, that may be brands that you personally are going to be repping. You know, like, if you're like a Meg Haywood Sullivan and, and she's an adventure photographer, but also a model, and so she's sponsored, but she's like a surfer and a photographer, and a model, you know, like her life is that sort of hybrid thing. 
And if that's you, then, you know, she's super passionate about the environment and the planet. And so her clients and the people who sponsor her are, are companies that pay for people to talk about environmental issues who work they like, you know? And so then she's mm-hmm. constantly refining her portfolio and then thinking about like, okay, I have this client, but like, what's the dream? What's the next client? And, and that's how you go. Like I started with local magazines and then I was like, okay, then it's um, national magazines and then it's advertising um, for global brands. But it, it, um, it comes from doing the work and having work that um, those clients want. And one thing that's really cool is that you go to meetings um, with photo editors, art buyers, creative directors, when you have work, I always found that like the people whose work I most admired were the people who would be excited about my work. And then the people who like I thought I was like too good for would often be like just flipping through my book, like totally unimpressed. And I would be like sitting there like, I'm too good for you. Like, I can't even believe that I'm here for your stupid magazine or whatever it's so cheesy and then they're like totally unimpressed with me and they you know there is usually that reciprocity where the work that you are most excited about will be if you can find the right clients the clients who want that work that they will be excited about you um so you mm-hmm. don't want to be like okay these people pay the most but this isn't what i do but then on the other hand you also have to create a career out of stuff that pays or that will lead to paying work you know like if you're like I want to be a travel person you're going to take a press trip to build content that's fine but you can't do that for years because if you have to pay your rent it doesn't pay the rent if you're on a press trip because you don't get paid so you need Mm -hmm. to hustle and if, if that's the case then you're like okay well is there a brand that needs content in Jordan when I'm going to Jordan and so I'm going to make content for them while I'm on this press trip and um, you know putting things together in that way Um, but there's a fair you know there's a fair amount of hustle involved and that's the freelance way I think there's a lot more opportunity for young photographers now in-house and I do suggest that Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have suggested that when I was just out of school because those jobs were junk, you know, but now there's a lot of brands who will pay someone and you're not just going to be taking pictures. You're going to be doing spreadsheets and you're going to be doing Instagram. You're going to be doing engagement and you're going to be doing metrics and right. social reporting and all sorts of things, but they're all useful and they're useful on the client side when you have to write, make a PDF about yourself and you, you can say, well, these are my metrics and this is what I do. And this is my engagement. And, and you wouldn't necessarily know that if you were just like a freelance photographer for that company. You wouldn't be responsible for any of that information, but anyone today needs to be responsible for that information. And so if there are opportunities in-house at places that are, you know, that respect photography and that care about it, um, either a fashion company or a global brand like um, Apple or an emerging global brand like Visco, like, you know, um, those places are great because you don't have to stay there forever, you know, is you can get mm-hmm. a job at a place like that um, or a place like Refinery29 or somewhere that's just 
or the wing, right? The wing has a new magazine and they always need people who are just starting out because they're, they don't have that much money. They're just have some new budget or I mean, whatever the wing has like $40 billion investment or whatever, but mm-hmm. <laughs> so they have all the money that they want, but you know, a lot of brands don't. And so taking an internship for a few months or, you know, a paid internship or an unpaid internship if you have to, but not forever, you know, or taking jobs where, where you have that ability um, to go work and learn um, in-house, I think is really valuable. Um, and mm-hmm. assisting was very useful when I was starting out. Um, but I feel like it's so rare now for people except yeah. on the highest, you know, advertising level. And I feel like so many young people, especially people in the travel world are not interested in that type of lifestyle of like being, you know, um, on a huge production or something like that. But it's the always, there's always stuff to learn um, right. by doing that. Like I never, I assisted for people who were, you know, worked on smaller productions or medium sized productions and a lot of things that were out in the world, but I never worked for like, Annie Leibovitz or something, but I'm sure that the photographers are, you know, who assisted on sets like that, you know, you learn some pretty interesting things that you just take in. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, there's a whole other like discussion. Are you having this discussion with somebody else around? Oh yeah. There's there's a lot of young people who don't know, like there's a lot that you learn just by doing nothing or not doing nothing, but by like, you know, putting up C stands and taking them down or whatever on a big shoot um, where you Mm -hmm. learn protocol and how, how to respect like the team that you're on and the people that you're working for. And I think there's so many people young people who are out for themselves because that's how you make a living now. And so they don't understand mm-hmm. sort of how, if someone puts them in a position of like, Hey, all of a sudden now you're interfacing with like some huge global brand because of someone else. Like they're just like, Hey, check me out, you know, or I'm going to do my own thing with you. Like there's not a real understanding mm-hmm. of protocol. And so there's, um, you know, there's sort of what's what's kind of correct and what's changing and what's not correct um, with those relationships. That's really interesting on the assisting and or just you know talking to more established photographers about their trajectory and sort of things mm-hmm. that um, have gone wrong or things you know they did right or didn't do right um, as they go. But yeah, I think just knowing knowing who you want to work for helps a lot you know like if you guys can name like your top three brands and like does is your work there and if it is go get it Mm -hmm. and if it's not what can you do to bring your work to that level Mm -hmm. I think it is is where it's at I had a photo teacher and I just said closing um in high school middle school high school and um, I really didn't like him, but he, I thought he was annoying at the time. Um, but he gave me one of my best pieces of advice ever with photography, which was like, know what you're taking a picture of. 
and it seems so simple, but it's not like I would say most of the server space in the world that's that's protecting and backing up people's photos is the photos where people couldn't tell you what they were taking a picture of. Um, so be it a color or a beam of light or an emotion or whatever, um, know, know what that is and, and, and stand by it. And, you know, that sort of translates to the client, um, side where I was saying, it's like, if you know what you want to do, then you can go take pictures of that. And if you know who you want to work for, then you know, the work you have to do to get your work there. Um, and if you don't know what you're taking a picture of or who you want to work for, then that's the work that you have to do. Well, cool. Well, thank you so sure. much.